Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is A Marriage Made in Heaven, Ephesians 5, 18 to 33. And you'll see why we're jumping over to this from Mark 10 in just a moment. I saw, what kind of got me thinking about this was I saw on TLC another show, one of their new shows advertised, very interesting show called Submissive Wives. Submissive Wives. I'm taping them all for Kim, by the way. And uh, <laughs> if you, I, haven't, I actually haven't watched it. I just read about it. I watched a couple minutes of it. Uh, but it's creating some waves, this, this show, because the premise is the key to a happy marriage is do whatever your husband wants you to do. Do we have an amen on that, guys? Uh, but it reminds me of a story I heard. I actually shared this a couple years ago. I remember sharing this. Uh, a story of a, a, a man who had to go to the doctor. And he was, you know, getting up there in age. He wasn't retired yet, but he's getting up there. The kids are out of the house. So his wife said, well, I'll come along with you. You go get your physical. I'll come along, and we can go out afterwards for dinner or something. Go out and, you know, have a date. So they, they go to the doctor, and the guy goes in for his physical. He comes back out, he sits down, and he's getting ready to go, but the doctor sticks his head out and, and motions to the wife and says, could, could I talk to you for a moment? She was a little surprised. She walked in and says, yes. Yeah. She says, I have very bad news. Please sit down. Your husband is in serious, serious condition. It's his heart. Not something we can fix by surgery. It's just, it, there's nothing we can do for him. The only thing, the, very, very important, the only thing we can do is make sure that he lives a stress-free life. That's the most important thing. If you want your husband around, if you want him to last for a few more years, you're going to have to, there's some very specific things you're going to have to do. Just, okay, okay, this is serious. What? He says, oh, first of all, you can't allow any stress in his life. He's going to have to retire immediately. Just come home and, and relax at home. And if there's any financial, maybe you'll have to go to work, but whatever it takes, you're going to have to make sure that he doesn't have to work. Also, whatever, he's going to have to eat healthy, but it, I don't want to stress him out on not eating what he likes. So make, find all these different ways of making what he likes in a healthy way. And, uh, and whatever, whatever relaxes him, whether it's TV, if it's golf, make sure he can get the golf. You know, if it's TV, whatever he enjoys, make sure he does. And, uh, you know, and, and probably things like back rubs and those kind of things would help. And, and if he's ever in the mood, that will release stress. Make sure you respond to him, you know, if he's in the mood. And, and just really make sure he does, you know, just really take stress off of him because that's what he's going to need to survive. He can't have any stress. I understand, doctor. Thank you. I understand. She walks out, in the, out into the waiting room and says, okay, um, let's go. And he gets up. He's a little bewildered and gets in. And she says, here, let me drive. Let me drive. And so he gets in the other side, and she starts driving. And she's not saying a word. And he's just getting a little nervous. And he's, you know, finally, he's like, I can't take it. What did he say? What did he say? She turned to her husband and said, you're going to die. <laughs> so... The Bible, though, has a lot to say about a healthy, happy marriage. It's not the submissive wives show, and it's not you're going to die, the joke, you know, but, but it has a lot to say about it. We're gonna, we've been in the book of Mark, and we've been looking at a very tricky question, divorce and remarriage. 
We stress God's mercy and grace. We get the CDs or go on the podcast. We spent a couple weeks on that. But we stress God's mercy and grace and starting right where you are. You can't go back and fix the past, but starting right where you are now. Stay married now. But I want to take a week in Ephesians 5 and talk about the keys to a Christ-centered marriage. And these keys are not just for marriage. They're for all relationships. So you're sitting here saying, well, I'm not married. I don't, I'm not going to be married for a while or whatever. It doesn't matter. These are the keys that are the key for life. For any relationship we're in, these are the same principles that are very, very important. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and grace and ask for your mercy and grace now in our life as we hear your word, as our hearts are prepared through the worship and as we hear your word and as many of us are going through many struggles in relationships, in our marriages, in life in general, we just pray that your spirit would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 5, I'm just going to read the passage first of all, then we're going to break it up, we're going to highlight a couple verses here. Ephesians 5, 18, starting with, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Whoever each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So I started with Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 for a reason. Let's just read those again. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one of those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he talks about being filled with the Spirit. It's a command, but it's a passive, too. It's a command to allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason, this is right here for a reason, because the key for a godly marriage is being filled with the Holy Spirit daily. We cannot, in our own strength, love our spouse the way that God intends. It's against our selfish, sinful nature. Completely against it. Because what is our nature? It's all about me, right? But God's way is all about putting God and our spouse first. And every day, we must allow the Spirit to fill us. How? Look what he talks about. Through worship, through prayer, through praise, through thanks. Spending that daily time with God, just as Chuck Harrison had shared last week. Spending that daily time with God. And as we do this, we'll find that we're energized in a supernatural way. In a way that will bless our spouse, or if we're not married, or even if we're, to bless everybody we come in contact with. That's what the Holy Spirit energizes us to do, is to bless other people. 
And then there's a transition verse going into marriage. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission is the key indicator of the Holy Spirit working in our life. All of us. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to be submissive. And yet that's a key indicator of the Spirit's working, whether we're submissive to our spouse, whether we're submissive to our parents, whether we're submissive to our boss, a teacher, whoever it is, someone who's in authority, a government, whoever's in authority over us, are we submissive to them? Obviously, we're not to submit in a way that would go against God's word in any way, but anything that outside of that, we're, we're called to be submissive to the authority, right? So, submission, but then he goes right into the spirit Filled wife. What does a spirit-filled wife look like? Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as the he- Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. One of the most misunderstood verse passages in the Bible, uh, mis- misunderstood, misapplied, the Bible teaches, let's go back to Genesis. The Bible teaches in Genesis chapter 2, well, Genesis 1, 2, 3, that God created Adam and Eve. He created them to live as a husband and wife in a beautiful, loving relationship with both having very important jobs to do. Eve was to be the loving partner, a helpmate, a, a complement uh, to, to fulfill the husband, a complement, and, 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 and to, because to, he was... By himself, he needed the wife for that fulfillment. And, he, and he, she was created to be one flesh with Adam. That's why she came out of Adam, the, the rib. One flesh with Adam. And Adam, in return, was to be a loving protector. He was responsible to God as the head of his family. That was his job. But the fall changed all that. When sin came in, sin maimed the marriage relationship. Sin changed everything. In fact, let's look at Genesis. Genesis 3.16 talks about the effect of the fall. It says here, To the woman he said, I will, This is part of the curse of sin. I will greatly increase your pain in childbirth. With pain you will give birth to children. Now this is it. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That shows the effect of sin. The effect of sin. And the battle of the sexes started right here. That's where it started. It says your desire will be for your husband. The word desire there is not sexual. Anybody who's married knows that men have the, more of the desire, not the women, right? But, but it's not sexual. The word means to desire to conquer Desire to conquer. That's the meaning of that word desire there in Genesis. In fact, if you look at Genesis 4-7, when God is warning Cain before he kills Abel, in Genesis 4-7 he says to him, Sin is crouching at your door, crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Saying sin desires to have him. And that's what sin wants to do. It, it, desire means desire to conquer. That's the picture of what sin wants to do to us. And that's a picture of the curse, is that women are going to want to, to usurp authority. The wrong desire to usurp authority, which women are vulnerable to now because of the fall. They're vulnerable. Nobody has to tell me that. Uh, on our refrigerator, uh, for, for the beginning of our marriage, uh, we had Kim put something up, and, and I think m- many of the women who came into their house said, that's a great one, I want a copy of that. It's called The Rules. 
the rules. And it says here, uh, this was on our fridge. The female always makes the rules. The rules are subject to change at any time without prior notification. No male can possibly know all the rules. If the female suspects the male knows all the rules, she must immediately change some or all of the rules. The female is never wrong. If the female is wrong, it is due to a misunderstanding, which was a direct result of something the male did or said wrong. If the above applies, the male must apologize immediately for causing the misunderstanding. An apology without flowers is not an apology. The female may change her mind at any time. The male must never change his mind at any time without the express consent of the female. The male may not point out that the woman has changed her mind. The female has every right to be angry or upset at any time. The male must remain calm at all times unless the female wants him to be angry or upset. The female must, under no circumstances, let the male know whether or not she wants him to be angry or upset. And then on and on and on and on. So uh, I I thought she was kidding when she put that up. Now I know, you know, 27 years later, that was serious. But uh, all the husbands are, yeah. So if you want your own copy of the rules, I'm sure it's on the Internet somewhere. But but that's funny. but, But the serious side, the sad side, is that sin did break a bond. It broke intimacy. Between, the hus- between Adam and Eve, between husbands and wives, and there's, the result is that there's pain in the marriage now. And how do women handle pain? What does a woman do? When, how does a woman respond when she's hurt? She tries to control the situation, right? That's what she tries to do. She tries to protect herself and control the situation. And as a result, we see the desire, the, the wrong desire. And women get hurt a lot. Just look at the effect of the fall on men. Women get hurt by men a lot in marriage. The effect of the fall, uh, your desire will be for your husband, back in uh, verse 16, and he will rule over you. The word for rule is a very strong word. It's of use of kings, of monarchies. It's actually tinged with a dictator. It's the idea of a harsh, uncaring dictatorship. And that's the effect of the fall, that a loving husband will morph into a mean, selfish, me-first person. Adam had loving authority before the fall, and now he's going to misuse it. Eve submitted to a loving husband before the fall, and now she won't. And now you see the result of, of what has happened to marriages. And that's the, the effect of the fall. But that's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus came to reverse the curse. He came to reverse the curse of sin. That's why he died on the cross, to pay for our sins, to pay for all the wrong we've ever done, to take all the mess and garbage and shame and and take it on himself on that cross so that we could have a relationship with God. First of all, if we put our faith in Jesus and give our life to him and, and believe that he died on the cross for us, he will forgive us and give us a brand new life. And part of that brand new life is reversing the curse of marriage too. He came to reverse the curse so that we could live a Christ-centered marriages. And Ephesians 5:18 to 20 talks about how we have the Holy Spirit. Once, we, once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, and then we're called to allow him to fill us daily, to fill our hearts daily, to, to, to take over our life. life. And, and the more that we allow him to fill and control us, the more we can have a blessed marriage. 
The more we can be blessed. And the more, not just marriage, but in, all, in our life, all of our relationships, the more that our relationships will be blessed. The more the Holy Spirit fills us and controls us and we surrender our life to him, the more we do that, the more that we're going to be able to bless other people and, 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 and be in, our, in all of our relationships, not just marriage. But we're focusing on marriage. And back to Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, where he talks about, let me just read it again. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Man is the head of the family, just as Christ is the head of the church. We don't complain. I never hear anybody complain, why is Jesus the head of our church? Why, why do we got to listen to him? We don't, we don't say that. We don't do that. We just enjoy that Christ is the head of the church. It should be the same in marriage if husbands are doing their job, which we're going to get to in just a minute. If husbands were, were being like Christ, it would be very easy for women to do that with their husbands. But the idea of submission, this is important to understand, submission is to voluntarily yield rights when, a, when a, a woman who is a Christian marries a Christian man, she voluntarily yields when she gets married. Just as we do when we put our faith in Christ. When we put our faith in, faith in Christ, what do we do? We surrender our life to Jesus. We're saying we're going to live the way you've called us to live. We're voluntarily yielding our rights to Christ. And the idea with marriage is very, very similar. It's a voluntary. It's, women are Divorce, they're voluntarily submitting and yielding their rights to, to follow, follow the man that God has put in place. Notice it doesn't say here, it says submit as to the Lord. It doesn't say submit to the man in place of God. It says submit as to the Lord. When a wife submits to her husband, that's an act of submission to God. The man's not God. They're submitting to the man as an act of submission to God. Now, ladies, if you're sitting there thinking, that's just impossible. Men have a much harder job. They have the harder job. In fact, if men are doing the job that God has called them to do, it's very easy for the wife to do their job. It's very easy, it's easy to submit to a, a, a loving husband. It's easy to trust that loving husband. Now, let's get to the men's part, the hard part. The spirit-filled husband, and I'm just going to focus on one verse. There's so, many, so much here. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives. This was a radical concept in the, the, the Roman Greco world where Paul was writing to. Shocking. Even Jesus, when he elevated women and talked about loving women, women had no rights. This teaching was radical, revolutionary. Women had no rights. And women had responsibilities to their husband, but husbands had zero responsibilities to their wives completely. But yet, it's to this world that God says to us, love our wives. The word love is agape. Most of you have heard that many, many times. It means to place worth or value on a person. Now get this. To put value on a person by an act of the will, even when the person is unlovely. Do you hear that? That's the, that's the word for love that God uses in marriage. Placing value or worth on a person by an act of the will, even when the person is unlovely. It means to seek their highest good. It's not based on looks or, or performance in any way. 
We're seeking their highest good. Love, I've heard it said, love is a verb. See, in our culture, love is a feeling. I have a feeling. That's what Hollywood teaches us, right? You have this feeling. That's why, and then the feeling leaves, well, you're not in love anymore, so you go love someone else. That's why the Hollywood lives and wives have so many, so many different marriages. They keep going through marriage after marriage, and now they don't even bother with that anymore. They go through after significant other or insignificant other over and over and over again because they just follow that feeling, which comes and goes. It's fleeting. But, but God says love is a verb. It's a verb. It's a decision. It's an act that you make. In fact, it was an interesting study came out a few years back. It says here, uh, I'm, I'm going to read this to you. Your heartbeat accelerates. You have butterflies in the stomach. You feel euphoric and a bit silly. It's all part of falling passionately in love. And scientists now tell us that the feeling won't last for more than a year. The powerful emotions that bowl over new lovers are triggered by a molecule known as nerve growth factor, NGF, according to Pavia University researchers. But after, now get this, but after a year with the same lover, the quantity of the love molecule in their blood has fallen to the same level as that of other groups. But the molecule clearly has an important role in social chemistry between people at the start of a relationship. So what we see is that this chemistry is God-given. God made us. It's great, but it doesn't last the same way. And it doesn't mean you have fallen out of love. It just means that, the chemi that, that literally the chemistry has stopped because you're, the, the love molecule has stopped. But God has put that in us to, to form the initial bond and, and start the relationship. But at, at, within a year, it has to mature from just the feeling into true love, agape love, a mature love. Be, and if, if a lot of people say, well, I'm just, I'm not loving someone else, so I'm going to start a new relationship. A year later, that's flat too. It's always going to flatline because that's the, way, that's the way we were made. It's meant to form the initial bond, but then God wants our love to be Agape love. He wants it to be based on a decision and a deeper love and a growing love. And that's the love that God wants us to have toward our wives, men. And that's the love he wants us to use toward everybody, right? That's the Christian love. It's agape love. It's a decision. And, and feelings are still there. We still have great feelings. But the feelings come, they follow the, the deep feelings. The deep, deep feelings follow agape love. Not this flighty little feeling thing that starts out, but the deep feelings that run deep follow the agape love. And our model is Jesus Christ. What is his, what is his love? It's sacrificial. Look what he did. Like Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. He died for us. That's our model, sacrificial love. We, husbands, we, we should be willing to die for our wives. Most of us aren't willing to give up the remote control, much less our lives, right? Uh, but but that's, the, that's the picture of, of the Christ-like love that we're to have. Men, it's all on us. It's on us. Do we love our lives, our wives? Do we love our wives like we love our lives? Do we love our wives like Jesus loves us? It's easy for a wife to submit. And to trust and to rest in that kind of love. How is the Holy Spirit convicting us? How do we need to sacrifice for our wives? Maybe it's something little. Maybe it's something big. Maybe it's just something consistent. But how do we need to sacrifice for our wives? And ladies, 
What's your attitude toward your husband? What's your attitude? Are you submitting? Are you trusting his leadership and trying to compliment him? Submission doesn't mean being a doormat. You're a partner in Christ with your husband. But, but are you trusting his leadership and showing that respect that is so important? It's a step of faith, isn't it, ladies? It's a step of faith. Because you're submit, he says here, submit to your husband as to the Lord. That's a step of faith. Are you going to trust God in that relationship? And, and I've seen women commit to doing this and, and seen some amazing things happen where hearts are melted, husbands' hearts are melted. Men are saved because of their wife taking this, this attitude and this stance. And it all comes down to faith, even for husbands. Husbands, as we have to trust that God gave us the wife that we have as a gift to us. Do we trust that this is God's gift to us? And I'm going to love this woman. And I'm not going to be looking for someone else to love or to fulfill me. But I'm going to love this, this woman and make her beautiful inside and outside. That's a husband's job. If our wives aren't beautiful to us anymore, it's, it's, it's our fault. Because, because it's, it's on us. Their beauty is a reflection of how much love that we're putting into them. I saw this, uh, somebody sent me this story years ago. It says, after two years of marriage, Pete no longer saw his wife as interesting, fun, or attractive. In his mind, he regarded her as a sloppy housekeeper, overweight, and a nag. So he talked to a divorce lawyer, and he was really bitter. And he, says, he says, I want to really get even with my, my wife. I, 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 wanna, I just, just want to hurt her like she's hurt me. And the lawyer said, okay, tell you what. If you really want to get even with her, treat her like a queen. Do everything in your power to serve her. Please her. Make her feel special. And after a couple months of the royal treatment, drop her like a hot potato. Pack your bags and leave. Then you'll really hurt her just like she's hurt you. You'll disappoint her, break her heart just like she's breaking yours. Pete couldn't wait. He went right to it. He was angry. He was bitter. So he bought her a dozen roses on the way home. He got home and he did dishes. He brought her breakfast in bed. He began complimenting her on her clothes, on her cooking, on her housekeeping, on her looks. He even treated her to an out-of-town trip. Three months later, the lawyer calls him. Hey, the pa Pete, the papers are ready to sign. You're going to be a happy bachelor anytime you want. Come on over. He said, are you crazy, he asked. My wife has made so many changes, I wouldn't think of divorcing her now. There's truth to that, isn't there? There's truth to that. But the key is we have to ask the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. No, we're, too sin we're sinful, selfish, self-centered. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to empower us, to fill us on a daily basis, to give us the grace to love like Jesus Christ loves us. And, and it's not just with our wives, but it's everybody, with our kids, with our relationships, with our friends, with our parents, with everybody. We have to have that same grace from God, the same Holy Spirit's filling to do it. It takes the Holy Spirit's help to love sacrificially, to submit. We're all called to submit, right? To submit, we're all called to do that to many. But whether it's marriage or anything, we're called to submit to many, many people. It's hard to do in the flesh. We need the Holy Spirit's help. And it takes a step of faith. Every day, as husbands and wives, as, as Christians, there's constant steps of faith that we have to take. It comes down to faith. And maybe here today, and you have never taken a step of faith. You've never taken that step of faith. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ because that's the starting point to all this is giving your life to Jesus Christ and surrendering your life and putting your faith in him. That's the first step.
In fact, backing up in Ephesians, just a couple of chapters, I want to end with this, this verse here. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us how to give our life to Christ. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's by grace we're saved. It's a gift. And how do we get it? By putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot be good enough. You cannot do any of this by human effort. It's by putting our faith in Jesus. Have you ever taken that step? Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we go to this time of prayer? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. We know he died on the cross for us. We know he came back from the dead for us to pay for our sins and to prove he had the power to pay for our sins, to break the power of sin in our life and, and, to, and to transform us from the, the garbage and, and, and the mess we've made into something beautiful. But it takes a step of faith to receive that. We have been saved through faith in God's grace. Faith means we put our trust in, we, we turn to and we put our trust in what God has done for us through his son Jesus. Maybe you've never done that, but you're ready to do that this morning. You can do it right where you're sitting. It's between you and God. This could be the moment that you receive the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit comes inside and makes you a brand new person. Just ask. Say, God, I, I believe. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for me. He gave his life for me. so that I could be forgiven. I ask you to forgive me. I turn away from the sin. I don't want it anymore. I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in your son. And I'm going to follow him. I give you my life, God. If you've prayed that prayer, then the Holy Spirit has come inside of you and your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member or friend here or tell me on the way out or fill out the card in the bulletin or text, call. Let's call, let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your new faith and your new life in Christ. Because something amazing has happened. The Holy Spirit is in you. Maybe you've already put your faith in Christ, but we haven't been allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us, to control us, to empower us, to live the life God is calling us to live. What do we need to surrender? What's blocking that relationship? What's blocking his power in our life? What do we need to repent of or to surrender?
Maybe it's a battle in our mind that we just need to surrender it. Say, God, I can't answer all these battles in my mind that are going on, but I'm just going to surrender to you. Maybe there's someone that God is convicting us of. Maybe it's a spouse, our husband or wife, that we need to show that sacrificial agape love to. Maybe there's someone else in our life that we, God has put into our life that we need to love with the love of Christ. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind that we have not been submitting Maybe as wives, maybe as husbands to our families, maybe as to a boss or a teacher or many, many different ways that God is convicting us about having a spirit of submission, godly submission. Not worldly submission, but godly submission. Father, we can't live this way on our own strength, whether it's submitting, whether it's loving, whether it's living out our faith. We cannot do it. We have no ability. We don't even want to do it. Apart from your Holy Spirit, his conviction, and his empowerment in our life, We ask that your spirit would fill us this morning. And it would just be the start of priming the pump of being filled on a daily basis. That you just would keep speaking to our hearts and calling us and let us feel the emptiness without, that we have unless we allow your spirit to fill us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.